Well, good morning. It is great being here at the Arcata Presbyterian Church. Well, today's message is titled Plentiful Harvest, and it's based on Matthew 9, 35 through 10, 8, and we'll be reading that in a little bit. To all the fathers in the audience, happy Father's Day. On a day like today, I can't help but think of my dad, who passed away five years ago this week. He grew up during the Great Depression. He endured the German occupation in the Second World War. His moral compass, his work ethic, warm heart, love for others, and his resounding humility will always be an inspiration to me. And I'm forever grateful for everything that he taught me. I remember helping out my father on the farm while growing up in Holland. And we would plant these uh, tulips outside in the fall uh, in these little boxes, 16 by 16, and we would cover them up with, uh, with sand, and then we'd put straw on top of that because of the cold winters in Holland. So then uh, in the winter, and this is my brother and this is my dad right here, uh, we pulled those tulips out, out of the ground, a little fast there, go back a little, what, what the, yeah, see so you see the straw right here and the snow on top, so in the middle of the winter those, those, those boxes would come out. Then about three weeks later, the tulips would have grown to the point where we would be picking them, and I remember one particular December, it had been very, very, very cold outside. And even inside the greenhouse, the crops weren't growing very fast. And then suddenly, around Christmas time, the end of December, it, slow, it suddenly warmed up. And not only the tulips, but the daffodils, everything came in at the same time. So then the whole family, including my little sister right here, uh, helped out picking tulips on Christmas Day. And um, we even had a few neighbors help us. Uh, so clearly the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers were few. Well, this week uh, I attended the uh, California Cut Flower Commission Board of Directors meeting in Sacramento. Uh, Cut Flower Commission is an organization that represents flower farmers across the state of California. Well, the board meets twice a year. And it's a great opportunity to mingle with other flower farmers and to hear what's going on. And the issue of labor came up. And some of the farmers actually reported not having enough laborers, not having enough workers to get all the flowers picked. Well, in Arcata, we were blessed to get all our crops harvested and get all the work done with help from groups like Teen Challenge and uh, students from HSU. But listening to these labor shortage stories last week brought back some painful memories of the summer of 2008, when our company experienced an immigration action by ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And at that point, we lost nearly 80% of our workforce in Arcata. The harvest was plentiful, 
but the laborers were few. Even 10 years later, the memories of that summer are still vivid. Now, Jesus used the analogy of a plentiful harvest and not having enough workers in terms of spreading the good news message. And that is what brings us today to our scripture reading in Matthew 9.35 through 10.8. And you can find that uh, in your pew Bible on page 11 on the second part of the Bible. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to pull that up. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payments. Please bow our heads in prayer. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So in today's reading, Jesus instructs his disciples to perform the same works that he does, calling him into a ministry marked by healing and liberation. The blind seeing, the lame walking, the lepers cleansed, the deaf hearing, all these signs underscore the proclamation of the good news. So, so Jesus sent out his 12 disciples with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of Samaritans. You get 
Judea right here, Galilee right here, and Samaria right in the middle. But go to no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So isn't this a bit confusing? Their first mission is to the lost sheep of Israel. The people who were promised a Messiah. I suppose it was reasonable to assume that they would be the most receptive to hearing about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Well, thinking back to the days in 2008, we didn't have enough workers to get all the work done. Or to pick all the flowers, like these iris and these freesias. But we first picked the most valuable flowers, like these oriental lilies. So it was with Jesus. He only had 12 disciples. And according to verse 36, he saw the crowds and had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep. Without a shepherd. But with 12 guys, you can only do so much. So he instructs them to prioritize and focus on the people of the house of Israel. But the kingdom of God was not exclusive to the Jewish people. To the contrary, it would include Samaria and pagan territory. A kingdom of Jew and Gentile alike. They were the beginnings of the mission. That ultimately were to reach all the ends of the earth. The Bible says in Acts 1.8. You shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. Judea. Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. In other words. Evangelism starts with its own kind. It starts at home and then it branches out. Jesus believed that the Jewish people were ripe and ready for the gospel. Ready for the kingdom. The time was ready. The time was ripe. Well, in Willow Creek, we, we, we grow a crop called Ilex Faticillata. These are the red berries for Christmas. Sometimes they're orange in the fall. And, but in order to have these plentiful harvest of these beautiful berries in fall and winter, three things are important. Number one, it takes female plants with these flowers. Number two, it takes male plants. See how this plant looks a little different? This is a male plant of ilex. Now for every ten females... We plant one male, and when you see these little different looking plants in the field, they look a little lighter, those are all males. All the other ones are the females. But third, and most importantly, what is important are bees. Bees for pollination. Well, yesterday, I walked the fields in Willow Creek, and there were millions of these little flowers blooming at the same time. The flowers are plentiful, but the work of pollinating needs to be done by bees. And depending on temperature, an individual flower may only be blooming for one or two days. 
So once they start blooming, these bees literally are busy bees. Uh, for many years, there was abundance of bees all around the field. Um, and they came from a beekeeper across the river right there. Then one year, around blooming time, we only spotted a few wild bees. But the years of the bees of years past, they were gone. A plentiful harvest, but the workers were few. Well, by the time we had figured out what happened, this beekeeper across the river was no longer there. So we quickly brought in some bees from a beekeeper in Fortuna. But valuable time had passed. And many flowers had not pollinated. That year, we had a poor ilex crop. And we learned a very hard lesson. Since then, we called the beekeeper to bring his hives well in advance, well ahead of time. It's like that with folks that have hunger and thirst of the soul. The gospel message at the right time can make the difference between a flower that wilts away in days or a flower that is pollinated and grows into this nice branch with beautiful berries, a branch full of fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7.15, you will know them by the fruit. There are people all around us that are ripe and ready for Jesus to enter into their lives. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, church organizations are grateful for volunteers to help to run churches smoothly. But it is harder to find disciples who eventualize to help bring people to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Today's reading is, is a precursor to the Great Commission in which Jesus instructs his disciples in Matthew 28, 19. So you must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you can be sure that I'm always with you to the very end. So what do we do? When there are millions of people who are ripe for the gospel. Jesus said in Matthew 9.38, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. In other words, make new disciples for Jesus Christ. Well, last summer I gave a presentation of the state of the domestic flower industry at a um, convention in downtown Chicago. And a little over a mile from the hotel was the Moody Bible Institute. And it made me think of D.L. Moody, who had sponsored a Bible conference at the Mount Hermon School in Massachusetts. 
Now, at that conference, Moody encountered a student from Princeton, and his name was Robert Wilder. This fellow was filled with the Spirit, and he had a heart for souls and mission. They organized a night at the conference, and the students were genuinely touched as they heard about lost souls and spiritual needs around the world, including China, Japan, India. And on the last day of the conference, 100 students had signed a missionary declaration known as the Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon 100. This led to the student volunteer movement for foreign missions involving colleges like Cambridge and Oxford, Harvard, Princeton, Yale. Eventually, 160 colleges participated. And in 1886, there were less than 400 missionaries. By 1890, that number had grown to 900. By the year 1900, 5,000. In 1915, 10,000. And in 1945, 22,000 missionaries were sent across the world to spread the good news, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to the TravelingTeam.com website, there are 400,000 missionaries worldwide today. But there is this part of the world that is called the 1040 window, which is referred to as the uh, delineating the area between 10 and 40 degrees north latitude. In this area, there are an, an estimated 3 billion people that are unreached by the gospel. In Asia and Muslim-dominated countries, the percentage of Christians is very low. For instance, in Japan, it's less than 2%. Well, last year, my wife and I watched a movie called Silence. Not much of a movie buff, but, but sometimes I do watch movies. And we ended up watching this movie. And it tells a story of Jesuit missionaries in the 17th century Japan. And although this film is based on a fictional novel, many of the events and people depicted in this movie are real. During the mid-1500s, Jesuits planted the seeds of Christianity in Japan. 400,000 Japanese were baptized. But by 1620, all missionaries were expelled from the country. A number of priests went underground, and among them was Father Ferreira the lead Jesuit missionary. But he was arrested. And under severe torture, he was the first to renounce his faith. The story depicts a gruesome and barbaric persecution of Christians in Japan. It's actually a sad story. But it explains why for hundreds of years, the fruit of the Spirit disappeared 
from Japan. It is like when the beekeeper takes away all the bees, or someone sprays melatonin in their garden, which is highly toxic to bees. It will kill all the bees. No bees. No pollination. No fruit. But if evangelism is not impeded, remarkable things will happen. In 1945, the, um, in the Christian population in South Korea was 2%, like Japan today. 70 years later, Christianity has grown to nearly 30% of the population in South Korea. As a matter of fact, there are more Presbyterians in South Korea than the entire United States of America. Last year, I listened to an interview with Ed Cannon. And Ed Cannon is the president of the Far East Broadcast Company. It, is, it was amazing to, to hear what this organization is doing. Spreading the, the good news of the gospel in 50 countries. They receive 2 million listener responses a year on how people's lives are transformed by the message of Jesus. But the China story in particular caught my attention. FEBC started broadcasting in China in the late 40s. But there was no indication that anyone was listening to their program. Thirteen years later, the first letter arrived. And this is what it said. I want to, I want to know more about the man that you speak of, Jesus. And by the way, many, many people are listening faithfully to your broadcast. In the interview, Ed Kennedy reported that last year alone they received over 800,000 letters from listeners in China. And tens of millions of people sign on to download their podcasts. The ministry in China has expanded wildly. God is at work in Africa as well. In 2016, Kelly Landini and his wife Vicky from Zimbabwe, visited the Presbyterian Church in Eureka. Now, through Crew, which formerly is called, was called Campus Crusades for Christ, Kelly and his wife lead a ministry in Zimbabwe. He wrote me a note not too long ago, and he shared that his ministry has helped us connecting over 100,000 people, bringing 100,000 people to Jesus. Friends, the harvest is plentiful. Jesus told his disciples, go out and spread the news, spread the good news. But how can we embrace his call to reach out to those who are helpless, like sheep without a shepherd? Today's society is just as it is. Today's society is just as it was then. It's full of hungry and thirsty souls. 
in a broken world. The good news of the gospel will transform lives. But sometimes it may appear that people are not receptive to listen. Well, that doesn't mean that we don't tell the story. Just like 13 years of ministry in China with no response. But FEBC staff persisted. And people were listening. Today there are an estimated 50 million Christians in China and growing. When folks do become receptive to the gospel, when the right opportunity arises, we as believers in Christ are called to share our testimony. Just like that flowering ilex needs bees at the right time, doing their good work. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.19, Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, making God's appeal through us. Folks, let the message of hope and healing and forgiveness spread through our community, our country, and abroad to all ends of the earth. Let the love of Jesus fill our hearts and souls. Let us be inspired to step up as workers in the plentiful harvest. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.